I hope you weren't expecting a podcast that doesn't go hard. Because the dub fod? The dub fod goes hard, sweetie. WFOD begins in five. Four. Three. Two. One. Have a nice day. The dub fod. My name is Mike. I am joined by the king of pranks, the albino alligator popcorn bitch, Mr. Travis Hulse. Hello, Travis. Uh, this is a big one for you, I think. This is huge. You know, we've we've had a lot of uh, a lot of really great shows. We've had a lot of really great guests. People that have was very happy to talk to, but this one is one for Travis's uh, special book. I don't have a book, Coming up after the break, we are going to be talking to Joe Bob Briggs. He is the uh, host of The Last Drive-In. It's on Shudder. It's premiering Friday. Uh, what, season five they're in? Season five, absolutely. Yeah, it came out of nowhere and it, it blew up and it is now, I think, one of the reasons, if not the main reason, that people subscribe to the streaming service Shudder. Travis, I have... One of our uh, super villain origin stories, I think. New York just named a uh, woman their rat czar. She's. Is this a position that existed before, or did they create? No, this? I think she's the first one, Travis. And her her job is to get rid of all the fucking rats, Travis. Jesus Christ! <laughs> this is. <laughs> I've seen the video footage of of New York and the fact that there are rats literally everywhere. Do you? I mean, I, to want to live in a city that needs a rat czar seems so bizarre to me. I got a clip. She's got a great name too, Travis. This is she's great. I, I love this. After months long search, New York City finally has a rat czar to declare war on the rodent population. Mayor Adams revealing Kathleen Karate is his pick for the job. Ooh. She has been with the Department of Education since 2015 and helped spearhead the DOE's efforts to fight rats in buildings. Now she's tasked with fighting the rodents throughout the city. That's right, Travis. Kathleen Karate. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That is, cool. That's that's even like a comic book name. You know, your Peter Parkers, your Clark Kent's. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> just imagine all the poor rats, Travis, seeing this on the news, knowing that Kathleen Karate's coming from him. Yeah, I, their, I, their time has come. I, I have uh, a part of her speech, Travis. This is her declaring war on rats. <laughs> I will bring a science and systems-based approach to reducing New York City's rat population with a strong focus on cutting off the food, water, and shelter rats need to survive. She's not fucking around, Travis. Mm -hmm. She's taking it all away. She's going to kill those fuckers. 
Is this going to be one of those things where like Harvey Dent was tasked with taking down organized crime and then he gets a face full of acid and turns to Two-Face? Is this broad going to like fall into a vat of <laughs> rat carcasses or something and then become the ultimate rat supervillain of New York City? She's going to become a rat herself, Travis, in this analogy? A rat-human hybrid, if you will. But does she hate rats, or is she now going to become an advocate of the rats now that she understands their plot? Yeah, because she's going to hate what that city did to her, transforming her into a hideous rat-human creature. Uh, she will then start to dismantle New York City itself and try to make it a paradise for her rat brethren. Yeah, she's playing around with chemicals that will kill rats. But like what she ends up finding out is that like she can control the rats and make that's them right. rob banks for her and stuff. That's that's right. There is a uh, Batman supervillain, uh, I believe, is called simply the Rat Catcher, who has that ability. And I feel like this is probably the real life origin story of the of said Rat Catcher, um, Kathleen Karate. Kathleen Karate. Kathleen, you're still in there. I know you are. I know you're still in there. This isn't you. You were tasked with destroying the rat population. Now I've become them. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. Travis, we, uh, we, we've talked a lot about the Wilhelm scream. Classic. Most notably when uh, they, they inserted it into that coyote. Or no, it wasn't a coyote. What was it? It was a bobcat. Bobcat. They inserted you, it into a bobcat video to make us think it was a real bobcat. Would you say that the Wilhelm scream is cinema's original Easter egg? I fucking, I hear it all the time. And every time I hear it, I elbow Laura and go, hey, that was it. That's Wilhelm. Somebody <laughs> posted like the original recording of it on Twitter the other day. And I got a real kick. Really? Have you heard this before? I've not heard the original. I got a real kick out of it. I pulled it because I wanted to play it for you and the people. Beautiful. Uh, this is the original recording of the Wilhelm scream. A man getting bit by an alligator and he screams. There it is. There it is. <laughs> History has oh! been made. <laughs> I enjoyed that a whole lot. Yeah, that's great. You know, and I, I, I'm trying to remember when I was first aware of the Wilhelm scream, and it might have been Return of the Jedi when they're on Jabba's, Jabba's ship. And I think, was it Boba Fett that they knock over that scream? Yeah, Boba Fett does have a Wilhelm scream. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That might have been the first time I ever registered the Wilhelm scream. And then obviously, as I got older, you know, started to hear it more and more places. And it's amazing to me that this the Wilhelm scream has been pointed out. Everybody's pretty familiar with it. And the fact that that people still insert it into motion pictures is amazing to me. And do it they never do it as a goof or is it like the preset on something like how? why does it keep being in movies? 
Is it just because everybody thinks they they put it on a pedestal as like the perfect screen? Like, it is the I, perfect I screen. I mean, it, it's it is. pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, it's it's great. It really fits in so many different <laughs> scenarios <laughs> that it, it really is. is It is the perfect screen. But doesn't it kind of takes you out of it? Because every time you hear it, you're like, yeah, that was it. You really have to pick your moment. Right. Like you could put it in every movie, You just, but you just really have to pick your moment because you are going to register. Oh, yeah, I'm watching a movie. It's the Wilhelm scream. But like you can do that as long as you put it somewhere where it's not going to completely take you out of the story, I think. But yeah, I didn't know that originally the direction that Wilhelm was given was you're getting eaten by an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I also was not aware of that. Because Usually he's falling <laughs> off of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's pretty much always falling off of something. Yeah. Uh, but I guess, I guess if you only used it for guys getting eaten by alligators, you probably wouldn't use it all that often. No, I can't even really think what maybe like Lake Placid uh, <laughs> alligator and alligator part two, maybe. What was that? Know. What was that one that was that the, the one recently that there were oh, alligators the, in the basement? That was. Oh, I love that movie. What the hell was that? That was uh, who was even in that? Wasn't it a Sam Raimi movie? I think it was a Sam Raimi produced. I think it was a ghost house film. Um, but yeah, like when the hurricane is coming through and she goes back to try to get her dad or something and there's like alligators all over. the. Oh, yeah, that's a good flick. I got to watch that again. Yeah, it was a fun movie. Guys, what yeah. we're going to do, we're going to take a break. We're going to regroup when we come back. Joe Bob. Talking to fucking Joe Bob Briggs. He, he, oh, uh, amazing. He, uh, he he's the host. He, he, he did Monster Vision. He's written some books, Travis. Yeah, he's written a handful of books, and yeah, I mean, Monster Vision was a was a huge part of my my childhood uh, TNT special. That was back in the day when <clears throat> we had those host motion picture events, whether it's uh, your USA's Up All Nights, you know, your your Monster Visions. Uh, I'm glad to see it back and back with a bang. Joe Bob uh, and Shutter are doing an amazing job. Um, season five coming up. Dub Fod goes hard. Got time to kill? Perfecto, cause it's time to kill. The last drive-in is back with all new double features poised to pummel your eye holes with more slime glopola, more insides on the outsides, and more jump scare heart attacks than you can cram into a normal human lifetime. Good thing we're not normal. Join us at Shudder's The Last Drive-In with me, Joe Bob Briggs, Friday nights at nine on Shudder. It's gonna get nasty. They're a protected species. You can't touch them. You can't touch their eggs. Just forget about it and move on. The Canadian geese came and took his family. Now, he will use his unique set of skills to get them back. You listen to me, you Canuck bastard bird. I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. I will send those geese straight to hell. Coming soon, Liam Neeson stars in the Netflix original film, The Migrant. You're going to regret ever flying south and kidnapping my family. Mike's sister makes instrumentals 
for Bo Daddy Harris's Instagram posts. Time once again for the Hollywood Beat with your inside source, Drunk. And this week, Drunk talks to Nicolas Cage about his new film, Renfield, in theaters now. Playing Dracula is really cool, right? You know, my, my roots are independent drama. I might, that's what made me want to be an actor was the movies of Aaliyah Kazan, you know, Dean and Brando. But, but I also, thankfully, have an open mind and enjoy the realm of science fiction. I enjoy the realm of horror, and and I like anything that stimulates my imagination. You know, the word magic is literally in imagination. Well, almost, no see. You know, the stage actor has his pressures, but the, the film star has the pressure of the close-up. But you get to do some mugging with those pointed choppers. Really mug it up. And when they're in there, if there's something going on, they're going to see it. And if there's nothing going on, they're going to see it. Movie magic, as it were. Once again. WFOD. Wheelbarrow full of dicks. Tonight is the host of The Last Drive-In. Season 5 premieres this Friday on Shudder. Guys, Joe Bob Briggs is on the program. I can't believe how many shows we've done. <laughs> well, and season 5 is a little, little pretty... bit different, too, isn't it, Joe Bob? Like, every week is a is a theme? Um, yeah, because, you know, uh, people love these themes. And so, 
Um, now, I, w- I wouldn't say that I don't occasionally make up a theme to go with the two movies that we happen to have. <laughs> <laughs> and re- retroactively just, claiming a theme is, is fine. <laughs> just, just, just so we'll have a theme. And so uh, I kind of did that on one this year that's like, you know what this is? This this is dysfunctional family night because you know how many you know how many movies have have some kind of dysfunctional family subplot in them. So yeah, anyway, of, of so that, that was a little bit of a cheat. But mo- most of mo- no, most of them are genuine genuine theme nights. Like uh, last year, we did Valpurgis Knot, the um, the second Halloween holiday um, that they only celebrate in uh, uh, Germany and Scandinavia. It's like a, it's like a drunken revels for the for the second the second most popular pagan holiday, and um, like I thought, we, we're gonna bring this. What's that? Is that like a half birthday thing? It, it's always on the night of um, April thirtieth and May first. It's an it's a it's an all night drunken revel that they do in Sweden and Germany and and. I thought, well, why don't we do that here? We love drunken revels, <laughs> and uh, you know, and it's all about witches. So, so we did it last year, and it was so popular. And I got drunk, and because I was trying to drink all these Swedish liqueurs and things that they easily imbibe in Central Europe, and and um, uh, and so, but it was so popular, we decided, okay, well, let's let's do this. Let's do a full bore Valpurgisnacht thing every year. Uh, so till we bring this holiday, till we reclaim this holiday, bring it back to America. So, uh, so that's that's the goal with that with that week. Uh, that's that's week two. Well, and, um, and Joe Bob, as a man from Wisconsin, if there's one thing that I revel in is any excuse to have a drunken drunken evening. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it, it's it's like. Um, it's like it's like a college frat party, but you can still do it, you know, thirty years after you've left college. So <laughs> it's like it's like a return to drunken idiocy uh, for, for this one night of the year. No, seriously, I mean for the for the ancient Celts or whatever, uh, it was the night when the line between the living and the dead becomes very thin, and the witches can cross over. And the ghosts and everything, and so it's similar. It's similar to Halloween, but it's kind of a more adult holiday. <laughs> it's not so much for children, and uh, and so uh, so anyway, we're doing that one again, and then we're doing Cinco de Mayo because you know we're on Friday nights, and Cinco de Mayo is on a Friday, and yeah. I love Cinco de Mayo because it's 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 one of the few America Mexico friendship holidays where it's celebrated in both countries. But it was sort of it was sort of invented by Spanish speakers in America, and then embraced by the beer companies. And so it's this weird hybrid. It's this weird weird hybrid of um, of uh, a, 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 a a genuine Mexican. It's not Mexican Independence Day. People think it's Mexican Independence Day. That's like in October or something. I don't even remember when that is. It's just this um, feel good holiday. Where, where there's you're celebrating three things: beer, tequila, and beating France's ass. <laughs> and so that's something that uh, both America and Mexico can agree on, and something that we can both party about. And so it's this, it's this kind of minor war where they beat they they beat the French army, 
where the where the uh, un, out outmanned Mexican militia beat the French army, and so it's a great thing to celebrate because you know it's like the Battle of Puebla is what it, is what it celebrates. Uh, so anyway, we're going to do Cinco de Mayo in a big way with some Mexican horror, and uh, we always try to do Mother's Day by finding the most the most vicious, contemptible mom movies that we can locate. <laughs> so we'll be doing that again. Yeah, we got a lot of. Uh, yes, we have many theme nights. I just I just talked for thirty minutes on a simple you question. Your, Do you, you have you, theme nights? You must. You must. <laughs> you must have your big uh, your big Halloween three special too this season. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's like it's like you know. I think the fact that I won't show Halloween three has added so much to the prestige of Halloween three. <laughs> yeah, you're single. You're single handedly lifting Halloween, this movie Halloween up three on your becomes, shoulders. Is, is Halloween three Halloween the three one? becomes more and more famous? Halloween three is the one that doesn't have Michael Myers you know, in it, right? That's the the season of the yeah. Witch, that's right? the one with the uh, yeah. There's no Michael Myers. There's no Doctor Loomis. You know, it's it's about a you know a, a Halloween mask factory in uh, rural California that's run by a crazy Irishman. That sounds stupid. And um, it's it stupid. Sucks. Mike. It's and- a stupid movie. Not good. <laughs> it's so fun though. It's so much fun. It's so dumb. Essentially, what the movie is is it's Tom Adkins running around getting hammered and having sex while also spouting one-liners about how he's got to figure out what the hell is going on with this uh, Halloween mask factory. That that's a great description of it. That is actually what it is. Yes. Yes, and um and uh it doesn't make a lick of sense. It and it, it involves it involves stealing a a one of the pillars of Stonehenge and flying it to this <laughs> uh, rural mask factory uh and nobody notices nobody nobody really notices till later oh one of the pillars of stonehenge is missing and it's like a minor <laughs> it's a minor item on the news <laughs> that they, they have the stonehenge pillar in some small town in northern california and they're chipping pieces off of it and the pieces that they're, they're chipping off of it cause the Masks that they're sell that they're mass producing and selling all over the country causes those masks to explode at midnight on um, Halloween night. I, I interviewed the director one time and I said, uh, "Tommy, Tommy Lee Wallace is the director." Mm-hmm. I said, "Tommy, uh, masks explode at midnight, right?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "You know, you know, there's there's four time zones in America." <laughs> Sick. Six, if you count Hawaii, you know, you know, if you count Alaska and Hawaii, at least six time zones. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, when do the masks explode? And he goes, well, at midnight. <laughs> it's activated by twelve dongs, Joe Bob. They hear the twelve dongs. Because if you do it by Greenwich Mean Time, you know they're going to explode five hours early. So, so the, they may not. The, the the innocent children may not have put their masks on yet. Well, it's like that, th- those weird counties in Arizona that kind of border each other, where they're in different time oh, yeah. zones. <laughs> you can true, see yeah. you can see your neighbors' heads exploding. <laughs> yeah, good point. To me, one of the worst decisions that the Halloween franchise ever made. But yet, the more I ignore it, the more popular it becomes, and everyone says. Uh, Joe Bob, don't you realize that if it had just been called Season of the Witch instead of call, being, being called Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, 
that you would realize what a great story it is. And it's like, <laughs> no. no, no, not at all. I would, I would still despise it. Yeah, there's, there's a reason that that movie was reviled for many years, and it wasn't just the lack of Michael Myers; it was the fact that it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. you, you, you have to think that a lot of people are doing that though, just to like humor Darcy, right? Like it, because she pimps you on oh, it yeah, so often, absolutely. they have to be doing that. <laughs> oh yeah, and and I mean. Darcy is genuine in her in her love for the movie. I think because she's got she's always had this massive crush on Tom Atkins. You know, anything Tommy Atkins does is uh, is perfect. You know, so right. so uh, so you know, there's there's the Tom Atkins thing. There's the there's the fact that she, you know some things that Darcy loves are, are a little bit scary. She 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 loves any movie that involves the death of children. (laughs) (laughs) Usually that's a big turnoff for people. (laughs) I know. Usually that's something you don't even dare put in a movie, you know? Um, But they have a very graphic scene where this kid, you know, puts on the mask and he's, and he's, and he's uh, worms come out of his face and, 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 and he dies. From, yeah, Mike, Mike you, from, have had, uh, you had to have seen that picture. It's the it's the kid has like a pumpkin mask on and he slowly, slowly peels it away. And instead of his head, it's like worms and snakes like pouring out of the mask. I don't I don't think I have Joe, Joe Bob. This is what's great about your show is that like I, I'm kind of like a like a piece of clay. I haven't seen any of these movies. And so like it, it, it's like a it's like getting a mixtape from your girlfriend like you know somebody <laughs> somebody's just like bringing you a couple movies you haven't seen and you're like oh i trust this guy this will be fun and then you bring stuff like a like dead heat yeah you mike was just talking about <laughs> dead heat and how much he loved dead heat Joe Bob, i loved dead heat you loved it oh, it oh was, my god it was what, amazing what's it about with what joe piscopo it's like i i always remember Poor old Vincent Price in one of his last performances, <laughs> sort of standing in the corner of some big, of some big, uh, I don't know what was that thing. It was some kind of uh, crazy room where people die. Yeah, it was like a control <laughs> room with some weird senator. <laughs> that that guy like short, crashed and- an ambulance, and then suddenly he could electrocute people. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I remember, just remember Vincent Price sort of yelling lines towards the camera, <laughs> so, you know, and 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 uh, and and dying. Uh, uh, in a, <laughs> and um, but um, yeah, and and um, Joe Piscopo at the height of his at the height of his fame, <laughs> doing doing one-liners throughout the movie, and uh, apparently. Uh, Here's a little factoid about Dead Heat. Apparently, the writer-director, who was a wonderful editor, he, was, he should not have been a writer or a director. <laughs> he, 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 he won many awards as an editor. Anyway, he, he uh, apparently, when he wrote the script, he just put these occasional parenthetical lines in there that just said, Joe Piscopo, one-liner. <laughs> in other words, he didn't even he didn't even write the line. He said, "Joe will say something here," you know, which is which is why there's these totally inappropriate sort of sort of sort of uh, off the cuff, unfunny co- comic moments uh, throughout the movie oh, yeah. because they're just you, you saying, "Oh, Joe's so funny." You'll <laughs> think of something. <laughs> this this will help the movie. <laughs> 
speaking of discovering movies through the last drive in Joe Bob, like I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't thank you. Uh, there's a lot of things, you know, I'm able to show my children uh, that they'll actually watch and give a shit about. But yeah. there's, cer- there's certain things that they just won't. And you've showed a you've showed a lot of movies where, you know, we'll we'll sit down as a family and we'll watch the last. Obviously, we have to opt out of certain things. You know, my my son is animal Holocaust. My... Yeah, right. We opted <laughs> out of that. I think uh, we opted out of Iron Man. Um, there was a handful of things that we had to opt out of. But for every everything we have to uh, opt out of, there are things like uh, Demon Wind that we get to watch together as a family. Ooh, or, demon uh, wind. My my son's favorite actually and I would have to imagine it's all because of the little creature was brain damage uh with Aylmer popping up every once in a while and everybody... Oh, brain damage. Well, that's a, that's a pretty that's that's some heavy lifting for a kid. I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> that's um although you know, it's a good, it's a good here is your brain on drugs movie. It's you true. Know, it's it's it's, it's a kid. It's a good, this could happen to you, you know, stay away from those, those uh, controlled no blue, substances. Yeah, no blue Gatorade for you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, but yeah, I think it was probably all due to the, to the, to the little creature or whatever. But like I said, it's, it's, it's really, it's kind of bridged the gap between, you know, what my kids will watch just because I'm watching it and what, you know, they'll be exposed to, you know, some of these not lesser movies necessarily, but off the beaten path movies that they'll watch with me, you know, because Joe Bob's talking about them in between segments. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm surprised what movies people will let their kids watch. And, and, yeah, you me know, too, I Joe mean, Bob, me too. Mike gives me shit all Travis. the time about it. I, I, the, I saw the exorcist when I was six years old, what probably explains a lot of things, but, uh, I was, you know, I was a child of the eighties. I was uh, a video store kid who had that, uh, that note from his mom to the video store clerk on our account that said, let this kid rent whatever, as long as it's not behind the beaded curtain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes moms ask me, you know, you know, should, should I let my kid watch your show? Well, and, and it's like, well, I mean, there's a big difference between, you know, Ray Harryhausen dinosaurs, which, which could possibly turn up on our show, you know, <laughs> clash of the Titans, stuff like that. You know, you know, there's a big, there's a big gap between that and, you know, cannibal Holocaust or, or, uh, or, uh, you know, some, some of the more, uh, let me say explicit, explplicitly gory, right. Um, films, although typically those are your, uh, the, the, the level of gore doesn't seem to bother parents that much, you know, right. Uh, scenes of, of arms hacked off and things like that. They seem to think their kids can deal with that, that they'll know, Oh, it's a movie trick. And so that, I mean, it, it's it's kind of a sad commentary on our society that we can that we can we can let our kids watch us an exploding head because they've watched a documentary about industrial light and magic and so it's okay. You know? <laughs> well, I mean that's kind of how network television is. You can't curse. You can't show uh, any nudity. But like Law and Order Special Victims Unit can be on the air, and Ice T can say the most horrible things that happen to people. Uh, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and not, not to say that we are watching everything. Like we try to watch, like <laughs> there's been certain times when we've sat down with a pizza, we're all ready for Joe Bob, Joe Bob starts talking and then the movie kicks in and it's like, Oh, I know this movie. We will have to watch something else. Dad will have to watch it uh, on demand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, 
you know, we have this thing now where you can watch the commentary without the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's no context, so, Joe Bob. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know why anybody would watch it, but but we do have that. Um, I do like those weird uh, finds, though. That the, the, for example, we, we had when we had a Thanksgiving show the very first year called Dinners of Death. And um, the last film that we showed was a four four movie marathon, mini marathon. And the last one we showed was called Blood Rage. Yes. Now, supposedly, where this killer uses turkey forks and things to kill people, yeah. in in made in Jacksonville, Florida. Now, they say that Blood Rage was released in the eighties. I saw every movie that was released in the eighties. I I was I, I you, you didn't. It may have been released in the eighties. It was not released in Dallas, Texas, in the eighties because <laughs> because I would have I would have seen it, talked about talked about it, um, written about it, and it's just one of the strangest sort of. There's this thing called regional. I, they call it regional horror. It means some guy in in some place, really far, far, far away from Hollywood or New York or Chicago, of uh, found enough money to make a horror film based on his own idea of what a horror film should be like. And these are some of the best films to show 30 years later, you know, <laughs> when they first came out, they were horrible, you know, but 30 years later, it's sort of like a, um, uh, what do you call it? A, it's like a time capsule of, right, of yeah. that, of that era where they're trying to make the slasher. We showed another one called slaughterhouse which was made in San Diego by some guys who were trying to copy Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it's, um, they, they thought, Oh, here's how we'll, here's how we'll hook the audience. We'll go to an actual pig slaughtering facility and we'll do close-ups of how they actually kill the pigs, strip, strip the meat off the pigs, different ways. They make the incisions on the, on the, on the dead animal. And, and they, and and uh, fortunately, one of the one of the wives of the filmmakers said, "You cannot put that on the over over the titles of the movie." <laughs> and, and they and they, they kind of toned it down, but only sort of, only halfway. And uh, it, it, so anyway, there are these there are these things that come out of uh, you know you can't call it backwoods America because it's like San Diego. I mean, that's not backwoods America, but. <laughs> But it's but it's like it comes out of places where there is no film industry. There's there's just guys they bar- they have barely enough money to make one movie, and so those are some of the best. And then they end up on a shelf somewhere, and then twenty thirty years later we discover them, <laughs> and, and that's what Demon Wind was, you know. <laughs> right, right, and, absolutely. Uh, it, <laughs> it was really fun. Now now you can just make one on your phone. I mean, I think the technology yeah, is getting cheaper and cheaper. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, um, the guys who made we we had a we had a night that I was actually opposed to doing this, but we had a night called filmed on VHS night or shot on was, VHS. Is night. that when you uh, showed things? We showed things. <laughs> yeah, and things was in the in the in the wild west of the video store days, um, when almost anything could, could make it to the video store, they had an interesting box for things, 
you know, <laughs> uh, and and it and it and it made it into the video stores, and people remember it. Is that the uh, box, it, Joe Bob? Is that the 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 Jerry curled mullet man with the leather jacket and the drill? Yes, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what I, I, I'm I'm saying. It's an interesting box. It's actually a terrible box, but 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 people. People remembered the box, and <laughs> and this movie somehow became – it's a Canadian alleged horror film, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that's this just horrendous. And and uh, so I said, I, I don't know if we want to put people through that. I understand we would be repre- – we're trying to represent all areas of horror, and made, made on VHS was a thing, you know, for about five minutes in the late 80s, you know. Uh, but, um, and that was one of the first ones. That was one of the first ones. And Sledgehammer was the other one on the double bill on the made, for, made on VHS double bill. And so we had, a, we had, we said, okay, this is Iron Man night. If you can describe the plots of these two movies, you know, we'll send you a, we'll send you a certificate saying I survived Iron Man night. And well, first of all, hundreds and hundreds of people did that. They did that. They 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 wrote down the the entire plots of both movies. But the more surprising thing was the number of people who said, "You got to have more more nights like that. You got to have more nights like that." Oh, I've watched things fifty times now. What? You know, what what is wrong with you? How can you do that? Like, I'm I'm the first to be the the champion of. Uh, <laughs> Of of weird, you know, cult movies. You know, I said, but those are just awful. They're just terrible. Why yeah. do you, you know, love I, them, Joe Bob? I get what you're saying, but for some reason, now I kind of want to watch things. Like from you guys <laughs> saying I shouldn't watch it. Now I want to know what all the fuss is about. Well, Mike, so it's I not like it. It, it's not like you shouldn't watch it. Like you shouldn't watch a Serbian film. It's like you shouldn't watch it because it's really rough to get through. <laughs> like it's, I guess things. To me, it, more so than Sledgehammer was strange enough to make it interesting to get through. Sledgehammer, on the other hand, was to me that one was rough. Oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I would say they're both very hard to, uh, you know, just to just to watch in uh, to watch in one sitting. You know, you you can always pause it have a discussion about it, which is, which is one thing that I'm, that I made, I think makes some of these movies work on my show is we're interrupting them so many times that we're making them bearable. Right. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> you're, you're pausing used, and giving them a break to catch their breath. Yeah. I used to think we were ruining the experience for people because we interrupt so many times. But on these these kind of movies, we're actually enhancing the experience because okay, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some lame uh, factoid that'll make you want to watch the next segment, you know, uh, and so and so we're we're actually doing a public service on those. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And that's why, the, like you you do say that it's like it's perfect for the on demand thing where. Yeah, I can watch things at two times speed, and then when Joe Bob's pops up, I can press play again. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Okay. I, you know. All right. That's enough of listening to this guy talk. I think I'll fast forward to the <laughs> commercial break. Joe Bob. Oh man. At this point, is it annoying I'm, if people recommend movies to you? Um. No. Uh, but they usually recommend movies that would that would be impossible for me to pl- to get, 
well, either because this is fairly either I, because it's, it's recent. This movie. You have one. Yeah. You have one. Oh, from our okay, buddy Ga- from our buddy Ga- Garo. Did Did you see automation? The it's Gato Setian. He he's a uh, uh, he makes movie trailers for Lionsgate, I think. And this is his first movie. Came out a couple of years ago. They send us movies all the time, and and this one. It's great. I think it'd be right up your alley if you haven't seen it yet. Really? It's called Automation? Automation. I think it's on Tubi, isn't it, Mike? So he does movie trailers, and like he has a guy who does like the movie trailer voice that he's friends with. Yeah. It's it's the voice of a killer robot. And so like the killer robot has a movie trailer guy voice, and it's it's awesome. Okay. All right. That sounds like one that we would that we would uh have fun with. Um and, and it, it know, is we, we like Mike said, we, we do get a lot of movies sent to us and, and if I can be a hundred percent uh transparent, a lot of them are not great. Uh so when we watched oh, automation <laughs> when we watched automation, it was like such a pleasant surprise. It's like a, a cross between like chopping mall and like I don't, it's 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 pretty great. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous, but I think it's right up your alley. Okay, well, I you know I would I will watch that because you guys who suffer under the same world that I suffer under <laughs> <laughs> have given me a reason to watch it. Um, uh, but yeah, I cannot I can't watch every single oh, title. No, imagine, of course, that, that people suggest. However, I I do have I. I have people who are willing to do that, though, and so, you know, I hate to delegate, but I'll 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 ask I'll ask other people to watch it for me, and if they're if they're exuberant about it, then I'll watch it, you know. Uh, so I I do screen them like that just a little bit or when they when they come out of the blue and it's a title that I've never heard of, but um, uh, but but since you guys are pros, right. I'll definitely watch it. And, and Gatto, uh, Gatto, he's not our uncle or anything. We no, he was we just interviewed him guest. and we liked him <laughs> and we liked his movies. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times it's a student film. Yeah. You know, there's there's so right. many there's so many film schools. Uh, there's so many student films. So many student filmmakers choose horror for their student film um, because they think it's easy. And it's not. No. (laughs) (laughs) The execution Um, might be easy, but making something like comprehensible and something that's enjoyable is, is fairly difficult. (laughs) You know, I, they always say, uh, well, Joe Bob, I didn't have much of a budget. And I say, well, you know what? Um, the things that are wrong here have nothing to do with budget. <laughs> they're, they're in the script. They're in the story. You know, they're in the part that doesn't cost anything. <laughs> <laughs> they start with, the problems start with the idea. <laughs> yeah. So, Joe Bob, the the season premiere it's the twenty first on Shutter. Uh, yep. The last drive in. Joe Bob, man, it, it was a pleasure talking to you. We yeah, we, we really appreciate was. your time. Um, you have uh, do you have upcoming live events too? Don't you? I do. Uh, I'm going to be in uh, Clayton, North Carolina, doing this show. That I'm 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 actually about to retire this show. I've been doing it for four or five years now. I've done it all over the country. I, I have this show called uh, uh, How Rednecks Saved Hollywood, <laughs> and it's like it's a two hour show. It's like it's got 250 clips and stills in it. 
by the time I do it, I have to rest for three days. It's just an exhausting <laughs> show. <laughs> and so, um, but I'm doing it in um, uh, Clayton, North Carolina later this, later this month. And then uh, I think it's like around May for, or like maybe April 30th, I'm doing it in Sacramento. So are you going um, to film it before you retire it? Um, I would film it, but I violate so many copyrights in the, in the course of the show that, that I don't think I could afford filming it. It's like a, if I if I paid for every clip that I use in the show, I think I would I would uh, I, you know so 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 I mean it would it would either cost a million dollars or I would just have to put it out there and get sued by every studio. So. <laughs> So I don't think I can. I, I think it has to remain as a live show. They have this thing called fair use, where you can, where if you're quoting something in a when you're in a talk, you know, you you're kind of like protected by the law, you know. But then once you once you try to broadcast it or something, you're in trouble. Yeah, that fair use so, disappears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, perfect. Is there any place that we can send people to find you to to your website or your Twitter or? Uh, yeah, you can go to, um, you know, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, uh, the real Joe Bob, or you can go to joebobbriggs.com. I'm on Instagram. Yeah, I'm, I'm everywhere, <laughs> but, uh, just if it on the, uh, on the 21st, uh, we're going to do one of those old things where, you know, they used to do this occasionally on the tonight show in various places where people just drop in unexpectedly, you know, Oh yeah, <laughs> and a whole bunch, whole bunch of people are just going to drop in. And so, um, it starts at nine o'clock Eastern time, six Pacific. And if you can, if you have shutter, if you watch the live feed, it's a lot more fun because people are tweeting and everything. We're always, we're always one and two on Twitter with the, with the wrestling going back and forth. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, uh, it is, pre- we have it is so, so many people, so many people tweeting along with the show. Um, and it doesn't so, take long, it, Joe Bob, right? Like, I mean, it, the first handful of uh, episodes or even the first season or whatever, you know, it might've taken a while to trend, but like when you, when you start broadcasting, it's within like two minutes and it's either the last drive-in or Joe Bob or whatever movie you're playing is trending like immediately. Yeah. And uh, I think one night, one night, well, I forget what movie we were doing it. Um, I, I guess it was it wasn't sleepaway camp, but it but anyway, I was talking about mangled dicks, and um, and we and we got we got mangled dick the word the words mangled dick trending on Twitter at number one for about for about fifteen minutes, and it stayed up there pretty much all night. I can't I can't imagine what all the normies thought when they were cruising through the trending topics. <laughs> Yeah. Perfect. So, well, thanks. Thanks again, Joe Bob. This was a, a real pleasure. We totally appreciate your time, and hopefully, we can do it again sometime. I would love to anytime. Thanks. Perfect. Thanks, Thank Joe you, Bob. All right. All right. Have a good. Have a good okay. Evening. Talk to you later. Bye. That was awesome. <laughs> that was that was awesome.
guys. Welcome back. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs, Travis. What a big what one. An honor. What an honor to talk to Joe. Lovely Bob. guy. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I uh, was uh, rolling on that conversation for, for quite a while. It was, it was, <laughs> was, a, big, was a big one for me. <laughs> Travis, I have a pick of the week. Uh, there is a uh, new Metallica album out. Oh, it's, 72 seasons. What I can tell you is it's fine. Like I listened through it and then like I listened through it again and I enjoy it. it it's good. But Lars Ulrich, Travis, he, he plays drums like a monkey, Travis. It's just. He, he plays like the cymbal monkey, Travis. He's not a good drummer. I think that, he was a good drummer at some point, <clears throat> but the drums on this album are, are dumb. The I will I will take umbrage to that only for the fact that I think uh, Luxaturna has amazing drums. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so like the first five songs, pretty boring, and then after Luxaturna, the album gets considerably better. So I would say my pick of the week is the second half of <laughs> seventy two seasons. How many tracks are on this thing? Uh, there's enough, uh, but yeah, like uh, the first couple, pretty boring. But then it, it, it heats up, Travis. I was enjoying all the singles leading up to the release. But then, like, the first four songs, I was like, eh, this isn't very good. But then it, it heated up. It got really good uh, towards the end. That's what I'd say about the, that uh, that Tool album that came out, like, two years ago. Oh, that yeah, whole right. album stunk. <laughs> and then, like, the last song is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know what Maynard was doing in the lab for that long putting that that album out but uh i also i would have preferred a new perfect circle album because i did not love that tool album yeah uh so yeah guys uh uh 72 seasons i guess that's gonna be my pick of the week uh if so I, don't don't buy the whole album buy it track by track and just don't purchase the first four yeah yeah and and i, I guess uh I'm, I'm getting shutter back travis because i want to watch uh joe bob friday uh, god damn be my right. second pick of the week I, I I fucking loved when when we had Shutter and we did the uh, the Joe Bob thing on Fridays and 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 we stopped for a while but I think we're we're bringing it back, Travis. Yeah, I'm 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 back with a bang because yeah, that's that's one thing that's super fun. Like the show itself is amazing, but like the community, the one thing that you can actually stand on Twitter at any given day, like uh, when Joe Bob is back that Friday night uh, on social media, is always a lot of fun. So I'm very much looking forward to that myself. Pick of the week, Travis. Yeah, Travis's pick of the week this week is uh, The Triangle of Sadness. Uh, this is a motion picture currently streaming on Hulu. Uh, I I don't want to give too much away because this movie is so weird <laughs> and you really don't know what you're getting into. It's a weird, I mean, it's a weird movie, it's just, Travis. It is a weird movie. Like you start, I mean, you start following around these two people and not even there's a segment beforehand with male models. That's just really strange. <laughs> and then there's another segment and they actually break it down into segments, but only two where it's the male model segment that they give like a title to. Then there's a second segment where you follow one of the male models in his influencer girlfriend, quote unquote girlfriend. And then there's no more segments. And now they're just like on a boat <laughs> with a bunch of rich people. It's strange. There's it's a strange. There's an unusual amount of barfing in that movie, like oh. way too much barfing, Travis. I watched this movie with my wife and daughter in the room. I turned this on. Uh, there was one point in the motion picture that my wife just says out loud, 
this is the weirdest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and then there, then there's the barfing slash shitting scene. And I <laughs> laughed hysterically. <laughs> I had tears rolling down my eyes or out of my eyes, down my face. I couldn't control my laughter and my cackling. And my daughter and wife are just sitting on the couch. Disgusted. <laughs> me, and, me and Laura were watching that movie. Drivers, and uh, I, I think during all of that, I turned to her and I said, this was nominated for like a lot of awards. <laughs> there is an underlying theme of like class structure and things like that. So that's probably what they were grasping at. But to actually get there, it's a strange, strange journey. <laughs> <laughs> but I highly, highly recommend that everybody take that journey because even if you don't actually like the movie, you can say you saw it. <laughs> That's my pick of the week. If you like watching a lot of people diarrhea and barf. <laughs> the movie changes course like five times <laughs> in the thing. Like you think you're watching something and then it becomes something else. But then it's like, is it a comedy? But not really. And I don't. It's yeah, it's a what a, what a long, strange trip it was. It, it's art, Travis. It's not for us to decode. That's yeah, that's true. You, you don't just, look you, too far. You get into what it. you want from it. You know, you. That's that's right. Open to interpretation as all art is. And it's left open ended. So you you really do get to make your own decision on what it was. Guys, we did it. Uh, That's uh, that's a wrap on this one. And uh, we'll do it again. We'll do it again pretty soon. Yeah. You know, after this one, I feel like I, I might have like a Joe Bob hangover. I might not have the same energy in the next one because this one was so special. Uh, So I'll do my best. Travis, I know what the next one's going to be, and you're going to have energy for that one. All right, perfect. For listening to this installment of WFOD, our operation is 100% independent, so your support is appreciated. We don't advertise, so we rely on word of mouth. Please take a moment to tell a friend, share a link, leave a review, or any of the other things podcasts ask you to do. The music featured in this episode is by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Check him out at whitebataudio.com. You can contact us with comments or questions by phone at 636 636- 487 hand or by email at mike at wfodix.com travis at wfodix.com or drunk at wfodix.com special thanks as always to our patreon sponsors jim chadman brian kranz liquid lozenge valerie carpenter jay adson and rabbit poundings if you want early access to episodes you can support the show at patreon.com slash wfodix Our entire catalog can be found at WFODshow.com, or you can find our feed of 
the latest episodes on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, iHeart, or wherever else fine podcasts are found. Check us out on social media, WFOD Show on Twitter and Instagram, WFODix on Facebook and YouTube. We will return next week, but really, we're never gone. Take care. Oh, my God.